Kate Watts from Racing.com is joining us with all the news today. And I know, uh, Watts, as I say, good morning to you. You've been on the phones, chatting to trainers. What's the general feeling from trainers about this proposed move that the Cox Plate will be run in late November? I have been, Michael. Thanks so much. Great to, to join you. How interesting was that hearing from Michael Brown saying that it's at least a 50-50 proposition at this stage? I think from my perspective, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I think it's a huge change to alter more than 100 years of history. Uh, but saying that, I did have a number of friends who were not in the racing industry who were looking to go to feature races later in when it was a bit of warmer weather in that later November, early December period last year when a bit of a break from footy. So hearing from a number of trainers, they are saying that they're very intrigued how a shift later in the spring for their horses also works following in to the early autumn carnival. How are they going to be able to get up, especially here in Victoria? But we did see a number of trainers come out from a positive side about it. Danny O'Brien, he tweeted saying, fantastic move. Cox Plate as the grand final of the spring will be brilliant. Robbie Griffiths, who's also the head with the Australian Trainers Association, said it's a tricky one. These sorts of radical moves are very hard to workshop, but agrees that maintaining the tradition of holding a race like the Cox Plate in late October may not necessarily be the way forward. Um, interestingly, when with the proposed move, we've seen a number of horses from a pattern perspective, you know, go into the Cox Plate, then into the Melbourne Cup. One of those was last year with Gold Trip. I've spoken to David Eustace about a potential move, and I do have to process this in saying that he hadn't had as too strong a look at some of the proposed particulars, but he did say that he wouldn't be against looking at anything to help increase the health and success of the Spring Carnival. They're not afraid at all to change anything. And he also cited... Looking back previously, how people had knocked the introduction of some of the slot races a few years ago, like the Everest, the All Star Mile, and saying from his perspective, the stables' perspective, they proved ultimately very successful. So maybe it is worth taking a look at the program of our Spring Carnival. But as you mentioned, very interesting. And uh, this timeline, if the Race of Victoria are going to be able to get it done by this upcoming spring. Well, we'll try and have a chat to a few more of the big-name trials. I'd love to know what uh, a Chris Waller thinks about this with the Sydney Carnival and also the Melbourne Carnival, the elongation of, uh, from a, uh, a Caulfield Stakes. What does that now mean for that race? Where does that fit into everything to try and maybe have those Group 1 potential horses where that race has been thin in recent years? It's had good quality but not depth. Um, does that deteriorate even more when you're trying to stretch it out towards races like the Champions uh, Stakes and also a Cox Plate? And the, the, as Michael Brow said, the biggest impact is going to be felt by those country clubs that currently hold those slots. Uh, Cranbourne, Ballarat and Packerham. I'm going to have a chat to Neil Bainbridge in a moment. I believe you've spoken to those at Ballarat? Yeah, I have. And I know that, as you mentioned, you'll be speaking to Neil with a bit more depth later, but they're very similar. Ballarat, Cranbourne, Packerham... With these proposed changes, they just don't want to be left behind. They want to be consulted. They want to retain what they say with the feature Saturday meetings. They call the standalone programs. And they think that they have previously shown that they can deliver from a wagering and from a strong field perspective to be able to hold on to these spots. As you mentioned, I had spoken to Belinda Glass, who's the CEO with the Ballarat Turf Club, and she's a little bit concerned that they don't have the flexibility to necessarily move their meeting later, a month later, into the summer, even a couple of weeks later, because they have that deal with Magic Millions that's been going on for more than a decade. One of their main feature races on their Cup Day is the Magic Millions Ballarat two-year-old classic, which is the lead-up to those targeting the $2 million Gold Coast Magic Millions two-year-old classic. And 
if their meeting ends up being moved into the early summer, she says it maybe would be almost untenable from a programming schedule for those runners to be able to then head up to Queensland. So she's really saying, as I mentioned before, they don't want to be left behind. They want to be heard. They're hoping for fair consultation over the next two or three weeks with Racing Victoria. It's a good point they make there, and there's a, a heap of SMSs. Don't forget the Devil Bend, best SMS of the day. will be around for two at Devil Bend. Just a snapshot of some of the SMSs. Michael, get Peter Volandis on. I'd like to hear his thoughts. That's from Alan. Unfortunately, Alan, Peter doesn't like us down here in Victoria or RSN, so he won't come on. We've asked him a number of times, but you won't be hearing from PVL uh, unless he changes his mind. Uh, 100% the the, uh, carnival will be too long if it happens. The Cox Plate will lose its wow factor. Hi, Michael. As you say, the Melbourne Cup is a gateway for the Australian public to the excitement that racing offers. Shifting the Cox Plate makes it a true gateway by giving those captured by the Cup the opportunity to watch the best racing. Uh, That's Andrew in Croydon. Um, Andrew Jones, of all people, should know about the demise of the Big Bash League. Don't, uh, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. Um, John from Heathmont, a rescheduled Cox Plate program would have poor depth. Uh, Do MRC members have a say in what happens? Michael Brown has said that they will consult that. Um, why don't the VRC move things back and become more with the times? Good morning, Blue Eyes. The wagering in the Cox Plate is usually sold out. What exactly is the goal by moving it? Will it create more wagering? Will it appeal to Northern Hemisphere horses after their flat season is finished, not clashing with the Golden Eagle? And will it clash with the Japan Cup, Stephen Richmond? I think the underlying goal from um, Racing Victoria is that they feel that those weeks that are held by the country cups um, the the turnover is lower than when it's Metropolitan Group 1 racing. So I think they are feeling that if we can elongate the Spring Carnival with A-grade Group 1 racing in metropolitan areas, there'll be another four weeks of premium turnover compared to the turnover when the Carnival finishes and, and drops off a cliff after the current Melbourne Cup week. So what's it? it's going to be very interesting. I'll ask you a difficult question. Do you want it to change or stay the same? Um, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, especially growing up in Melbourne to also more than 100 years of history. You know, I didn't even come from a racing family, but I knew when the Cox Plate was on, I knew when the Corkham Cup, the Melbourne Cup Carnival were on. I think that's such an advantage we have in Victoria to that tradition. But as I said, you know, as they used to say, we need to continue with the success and health of racing and for the Spring Carnival. And maybe it is good to be a little bit open-minded, but... I think, as Michael Brown talked about before, too, that Racing Victoria is saying there's not going to be any losers. That's going to be very, very hard mm. for them to be able to work out. So we'll be intrigued to see how they're, they're going to do that. But, yeah, it's funny. Everyone outside of racing thinks that this is the quiet time of year. Nothing's happening. So, as if they know, <laughs> it's, it's all happening right now. Exactly. Hey, you spoke to Dave Eustace. Did he give you any insights into his stable stars? I saw Marabi had a really nice jump out the other day. Yeah, she did. Doesn't she look good? You think of this time last year that she'd come in with the seven straight victories in a row to start her career, including, of course, the Oakley Plate before that end of prep run, which she's come out of excuses back from that William Reed in March. We haven't seen her race since then. Pretty close after that, she had bone chip surgery. Um, and so she's had a nice break. She returned this preparation and jumped out behind Jigsaw on Monday at Cranbourne. As you mentioned, the stable, they said they're really happy with her. She did everything they asked. She's come back with that same exuberance, competitiveness that they really wanted to see. And that jump out, she was under regular rider Ben Allen. The Wiz confirmed 
he will keep the ride mm. for this preparation. She's either going to come into the Lightning or the Oakley Plate, but you think it'd be a little bit easier for Bennett this year to be able to make the weight with it's closer to the 56 and a half or 57, you'd have to think, for the Oakley Plate for her instead of the 54. Um, also, Michael, just a quick word on the Stables Catalyst Colt. We saw BC wasn't he so impressive when he caught the eye with the two and a half length victory at Flemington last weekend. Dave says he's come through it really well. They're still weighing up whether they're even going to go to the Chairman's over 1,000 metres, the Group 3 event, or maybe the 1,100 metres with the Prelude. But he's on his way to the Blue Diamond, where he's already the third elect in early markets behind King Gambit and the Instructor. Gee, look good, didn't he, last Saturday. Uh, what about, we're talking about the Cox Plate Melbourne Cup, what about Gold Trip? What's his aim going to be in the autumn? Yeah, it's been interesting with him. As you mentioned from Dave, he says he's progressing really well. He's had a couple of grass gallops. He looks terrific coming back into his autumn campaign. No surprise, maybe carrying a little bit of weight as you'd expect, but his preparation's going to be very weather dependent. We know he likes getting his toe in the ground. He's been well-travelled. I think that we're going to see him head up to Sydney. He's going to have a pipe opener, and then it looks probably Tancred, Randvert, and probably the Sydney Cup. But Dave would discount that he could definitely have a run in the All-Star Mile, saying he has performed at the shorter distances. He's placed, finished third over the 1,500 metres in a run that was full of merit when he carried weight. He had strong weight sectionals uh, last July in the Winter Challenge. So... You never know. It would be great if we could see him in an all-star mile. It's always tough to come up after a Melbourne Cup, but, you know, if anyone can do it, that's stable. They can get the stayers up. They're also really excited to have Explosive Jack resume this weekend at the Valley over a mile. But we know he likes wet ground. He's going to need a few runs to get going. He's probably going to go up to the Sydney Cup, but they've really got the Roy Higgins um, down here in Melbourne with that prize money boost on the agenda. A couple of quick ones. Um, Lofty, um, where are we going to see Lofty strike first up? Yeah, Lofty's going to go first up into the Oakley Plate, which is really interesting because if he is able to win it first up, he's going to be the first three-year-old since Weekend Hustler back in 2008 to be able to get it fresh. So interesting to see. Julius was also saying the fact that it's at Sandown, he really just gave him a little bit of a confidence on that bigger track to be able to race there for the event. Um, I know you've spoken to the team at Benella because we had that strange situation where they unfortunately called the meeting off on Sunday after Lockie King had a fall. And um, I know the track was blamed for that. Jockeys didn't want to ride out the remainder of the meeting. But it was interesting looking at the replay because I've looked at it a number of times and I couldn't see the horse dipping or diving or shifting away. And uh, I'm not sure what happened with Lockie King, whether his foot just came out of the stirrup, but he he was a mile in front. So um, Racing Victoria have inspected the track. What's the latest with Benella? Yeah, an investigation is still underway from a steward's perspective after, as you mentioned, the meeting was abandoned after race number one. But from a club perspective, speaking to the general manager, Cameron Syme, they're thinking a similar way, as you mentioned. They don't think that it was the track that was... They made the incident where the two jockeys were dislodged from their horses in that opening event. They had had the 17 millimetres of rain in that freak storm the night before that had pushed it from a good four into a heavy range. They're all systems ahead. They're not going to change anything with their track looking ahead to their next meeting on January 29 for the Euroa Cup. A little bit of a problem with or concern with the track is that they just don't have any drainage. So they're hoping... You know, that they're next off the rank to be able to get some more drainage upgrades. We've seen recent um, upgrades for racetracks with the drainage at Wodonga and at Chuka. So hopefully they'll be able to get it. But at this stage, it's all system ahead for them leading into that January 29 meeting. That's very good. And Frankie Dottori, the world's best jockey, 
Uh, he's on his farewell tour, and we're looking uh, for an Aussie girl to knock him off in what could be one of his big farewell carnivals. Wouldn't that be so exciting? You mentioned the Aussie girl, Caitlin Jones. They're both heading to the Saudi Cup International Jockeys Challenge. I'm sure you remember that Caitlin won it last year, so she'll fly the Aussie flag once again to defend her title. And she thinks she's feeling a bit more confident this time too. She hasn't had much experience at all racing on the dirt, so looking forward to getting in this one. But you mentioned it's going to be pretty tough in his final year as a jockey to be able to knock off Frankie Dettori. He's ridden a couple of times over in Saudi, but not in this event. Joe Marrera will also be involved. That's going to be run on February 24th. Go Aussie. Hopefully, Caitlin can get it. That's amazing. I know she's been out a little bit uh, with back injuries. We might try and have a chat to Caitlin tomorrow because what a a day it would be. And just quickly, we've had uh, both Steve Rossich and Michael Brown tell us how well their races rated in the Longines uh, Championships and uh, the the best horse, there's no doubt who that is. Uh, What were the ratings overnight? Yeah, it definitely was, as you mentioned. No uh, no surprise, but it's a pretty big rating. Flightline has been able to take out the world's best race horse on 140, and that's equals as a rating Frankel's benchmark set in 2012 under the current system. Bayid, the best horse on turf, he came in at 135. Nature Strip equals third, 126. But that rating for 140, very high, as we mentioned, to equal Frankel. What's he outstanding debut uh, from you in the news (laughs) segment? Uh, I like this. We may hear more of you. (laughs) I might get a run again. No, thanks so much, Michael. Looking forward to, as you mentioned, speaking on number of industry participants as well as this continues to unfold about a potential change in the spring. Good on you, Kate. Kate Watts from racing.com.